C.S. Lewis once wrote, Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which would make him happy. God broke into human history to reveal the way of life and the resulting joy and peace that comes to us if only we will believe in Him and obey. Psalm 1 tells us of two paths. One is righteous and the other is evil. This simple psalm gives us clear instruction on what will bring us joy and what will bring us despair. Charles Spurgeon said, Every man is seeking after happiness. If it is so, then every man should read Psalm 1, for this directs us where happiness is to be found in its highest degree and purest form. We begin with verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. We have a path before us. We must choose which one we will take. Well, we are uh, starting a brand new series today, and it's in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is one of my favorites. In fact, I, I think it's the second psalm that I, I memorized when I was a young man, a young boy, actually. And I'm going to tell you that Psalm 1 introduces us to all of the psalms. Psalm 1, as we just heard in the video clip, Psalm 1 shows us the two paths that are before us, and one is a righteous path, and one is what we would call a wicked path. The righteous, those who are righteous, those who want to honor God, those who want to please the Lord, who want to follow the Lord, will follow God's ways, where the wicked, they will choose their own path. One path is a path of joy, and the other is a path of gloom and doom. So the wonderful thing that we discover in Scripture is that it shows us how to have not just eternal life, but abundant life right here and right now. It's critical that we understand that. It's critical that we understand that the faith that is ours as Christians is not just for eternal life, but it's for life, and it starts the day, the moment that you become a Christian. And I hope today that you have given your hearts to Christ, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I pray that your heart has been filled with his Holy Spirit, enabling you to walk on this righteous path. Well, this, uh, this five-week series, we're calling it just simply joy. And it, it's, it's called joy uh, for a good reason, which I'm going to share with you in just a moment. Um, we, we just heard Psalm 1 read in the uh, NLT, and I want to read it to you now in the ESV, uh, just to give you just, uh, just a real good sense, real good feeling uh, for the psalm. So it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, 
but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we see two ways. We see the way of righteousness, the way of joy, and we see the way of the wicked. It ends in death, in eternal death. The psalm begins with uh, the word ashray, and uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting word. It, it actually can be translated in a number of different ways. Uh, it can be translated as blessed or happy. In fact, if you look at that word ashray in Hebrew, it actually is translated happy, but it, it doesn't accurately describe the full meaning of the word when we use that word happy. Ashray can mean fortunate, it can mean enriched, uh, joyful, praiseworthy. In the ESV and the KJV and the NIV in a number of translation, it, it translate that word ashray as blessed. Uh, in the NLT, it talks about joy, oh, the joys of, of the righteous. So what we want to help you to see today is that, is that this, this psalm really is an outline for a life of joy. And I think everybody listening here today wants a life of joy. I know that I do. I, I don't want a life of gloom and doom. And yet, isn't it interesting that so many people who call themselves Christians so often are caught up in gloom and doom, especially during this crisis, this this uh, COVID crisis, there's many people who are really struggling. And I want to not judge or condemn anybody. What I want to do today is I want to help you to see how you can have your joy restored. I want to show you what you need to do so that you can enjoy the joy of the Lord. Because, folks, that is the fruit of being a Christian. It's a life of joy and peace. And so if we're lacking joy... If we're lacking peace, then what we need to do is we need to figure out why that is. Why am I not happy? Why am I not joyful? Why do I not have peace? Well, Psalm 1 gets us started in the right direction, showing us how we can have this joy. Now, let me just quickly point out something to you. Uh, Psalm 1, most of the Psalms you'll notice, it, it tells you at the top of the Psalm who wrote the Psalm. But in this case, it doesn't say who wrote Psalm 1, although the Talmud uh, says that it was David who wrote Psalm 1 because Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are connected. Psalm 1 begins with those words, ashray, and Psalm 2 ends with that word, ashray. You'll notice that at the top of Psalm 2, Again, it doesn't say who wrote the psalm, but the writer of Acts in Acts chapter 4, verses 24 to 26 tells us that David is the one who wrote Psalm 2. So we, we can take from that that, in fact, Psalm 1 was written by David. Now, why is that important? Well, I'll tell you why. Because David is a man who has lived his life totally and fully in the face of God. He's a man who's experienced suffering. He's a man who's experienced uh, pain. But he's also a man who has known great joy in his relationship with God. So here's what he wants to do. He wants to teach us how to know which path to take. Because on our own, we don't know. We don't know what is the best path to take. 
And for this reason, there's all manner of, of philosophers, there's all manner of counselors, there's all manner of, uh, well, there's people who are in the dark arts, mediums, you can, you can contact a medium, and people do. I remember uh, Ronald Reagan, when he was uh, first elected as the president of the United States, remember he was shot, his wife, uh, in a sense of panic, wanting to know what the future held and what to do next, she started to consult with mediums. In fact, so did Lady Di, Diana, who, as you know, uh, died in a car crash. These people who don't know what the future holds are nervous, uptight, anxious, and they want to know what the future holds. Well, David is saying, don't look to humans, don't look to the medium. Actually, King Saul, the Saul that preceded David, that's what he did. He went to a, a medium to try to figure out what, what to do next and how, how to manage his life. In this life, if you haven't figured it out yet, we need a guide. We need someone to show us our way through life. And folks, that is what the Scripture does. This is why it's so critical that you and I have an intimate relationship with the Word of God. We need to know what God is saying because the Word of God shows us how to live and what to do. Now, sadly, very sadly, the arrogant and the proud, they will not listen to anyone, and they're certainly not interested in reading the Word of God. One of the things that I learned as a youth pastor, whenever I had a young person come to me with a problem, uh, had questions, didn't know, you know what to do in life. The first question I asked is this, did you do your devotions? Did you, have you consulted with God? Before you consult with me, consult with God. And so this became the habit of our youth ministry, and we saw just an amazing growth and development in those youth. Now, that goes back a lot of years ago. Well, here's what I'd like you to do today. I'd like you to humble yourself before God, and I'd like, to, I'd like you to learn from David. Understand this about David. David is a shepherd at heart. In fact, that's what he was doing when God called him to be the leader of Israel. He was a shepherd caring for sheep, but now God has given him a higher calling, and that's to be the shepherd of his people. And so David, with a pastor's heart, he points his people to God, showing them how to live this life, and how to live it with true joy. He wants his people to be happy. And by the way, as your pastor, that's exactly what I want. I want everybody who calls Cross Church home, I want you to be happy. I want you to have real joy in this life. But I gotta tell you, the only way that you're gonna have that joy is if you stop following your own way and follow the way that God has set before us. So this word, ashray, uh, it can mean happy, it can mean blessed, fortunate, enriched, joyful, and even praiseworthy. So David is saying, happy is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the one, fortunate is the one, enriched. In other words, you've got something that is outside of yourself that is enriching you. You're joyful, and not only that, but the way that you're living your life is, in fact, praiseworthy. So you're getting the gist of this, of this psalm. This psalm is the way that we are going to know joy. And so for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on how we can be joyful and avoid the despair of the unrighteous. And, and you heard me right. I said the despair of the unrighteous. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But first of all, 
Let's look at Psalm 1-1. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to dwell on this one verse today. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. I should just point out to you, the word man in Hebrew, ish, it, it represents not a single person, but it represents all of those people who live like this. So the question is this, are you part of, of this ish? Do you belong to that number of people who live as David instructs us to live? So blessed... You could say, blessed are all the people who walk not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let's take a look at that first part of the verse. Joyful, 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 joyful is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Who are the wicked? We have to ask that question, because let me just say this. No one that I know of anyway sets out in life to follow the advice of wicked people. Think about that. You'd be a, you really would be an idiot, wouldn't you? I'm not going to listen to the advice of, of good people. I'm going to go and listen to the advice of wicked people. Well, it's, it's absurd, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. And yet here's David pointing this out. Now, the reason he's pointing this out is because he wants us to understand something. He wants us to understand that we, by nature will follow the counsel, the instruction, the guidance of people who are wicked. Who are the wicked? Well, it may surprise you. The wicked are, well, it's anyone who rejects God and who rejects the word of God. Did you hear that? Anyone who rejects God and rejects the word of God, their counsel is wicked. And I'm going to tell you why. Because every human, by nature, myself included, is a sinner, is wicked, until I've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. That's the the good news. The good news of the gospel is that once once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are now among, or you are, uh, you belong to the, the company of the redeemed. You are now part of God's family. You are now considered righteous, not because you're such a great and perfect person, but because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is what makes you righteous. So anyone who rejects God, anyone who rejects the gospel, anyone who rejects the word of God is giving wicked counsel because their own heart has not yet been surrendered to Jesus Christ. This is very, very important that you understand what I'm saying now because what I'm going to tell you is going to really shock you. These people who are giving counsel are, are people like Oprah, who talks religious. She loves to talk to Joel Osteen, and she likes to talk to various ministers, and yet her heart is not surrendered to Jesus Christ. Her counsel is not godly counsel. It may seem like good advice. In fact, I know people that listen to her advice and who want to buy her books and want to get any information they can about Oprah. We're talking about people like Ellen, or Jordan Peterson, who, by the way, uh, I've read his book, a very interesting fellow. He's got some good ideas, but he is not a surrendered Christian. He's not someone who's surrendered to God. There's Bill Maher. Uh, most of us, uh, if, if you know who he is, you know that he's a very cynical man, uh, and sometimes some of his ideas are good, and you can agree with them, and other times it's just absolute nonsense. Ben Shapiro, 
a good Jewish boy, but he's not a man surrendered to Jesus Christ. There's the view. Some of you know the view, Joy Behar and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. These women are, are giving wicked counsel. Uh, right along with uh, the talk and the late show uh, hosts of the, of the shows, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert, and the list goes on. We could include in this list people who consider themselves experts, the media, the philosophers, the pundits. These people would tell us how to live. And David is saying, if you're listening to these people, this is going to rob you of your joy. It's going to, it's going to drain you of the joy that comes from listening to God and to God alone. The joyful Christian is somebody who walks in the counsel of God and not in the counsel of the wicked, the counsel of the unsaved, the counsel of those who are not Christians. Now, I know some people will say, well, hey, pastor, isn't all truth God's truth? Well, the problem is, is, is Satan. Satan comes as an angel of light. He loves to come. He even quotes scripture. Did you know that? I'm thinking of Jesus when he was tempted. Satan was quoting scripture to Jesus. And thankfully, our Lord knew the counsel of God, and he was able to answer back with scripture and was able to, to put Satan in its place not once but three times. And it was after that that Satan knew he could get nowhere with Christ. This is our example, people. We need to be a people listening to the counsel of God and not the counsel of the people of this world who do not love the Lord, who do not know God, and who, quite frankly, uh, have been very vocal about their opposition to God, to the church, and to the word of God. You and I, as Christians, need to understand that we are people of the book. We need to be clear about what we believe. This is why just a few weeks ago, I talked about the importance of knowing our doctrines. You need to know your doctrine, the doctrine of Scripture, which I hope to get to, to teach a, a class once again as soon as this whole COVID thing is over and we're able to join again together. So the joyful Christian listens to the counsel of the wicked, and listen to this. This, this may sound like I'm trying to put a plug in for myself, but... The wise and joyful Christian is somebody who listens to the preaching of the word of God, who listens to the preaching of the gospel. Every Sunday, we tell you it needs to be a habit that you come to church. And if you can't come to the physical church, you come to the online church. That you come and hear the preaching of the gospel because it's the teaching, the preaching of the gospel that washes away the grime of ungodly counsel that you are hearing all week long in your news feeds you're hearing it on facebook you're you're hearing it on tv you're hearing it from your friends everybody's got their own ideas they've got their own counsel but i'm going to tell you today there's only one counsel that you and i need to be taken to heart and it's the word of god those who take to heart the word of god are those who are joyful so I want you to understand something today. Jesus taught some very difficult things. And you and I are afraid of the world. We're afraid of people who are not Christians. We're afraid that they're going to mock us. They're going to laugh, us, laugh at us. They're going to think less of us because we are people of the book, because we believe the word of God. We're afraid that people are going to say, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? 
And so we, we cower, we go into a box, and we try to do everything we can to identify with our friends who are not Christians. This is a huge mistake. This is what's robbing you of your joy. Jesus, when he was teaching, he said a lot of things that some people found, and many people found, very, very offensive, very hard to take. For instance, in John chapter 6, verse 54, Jesus makes this statement, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And by the way, that's what we're going to do today. We're taking communion. Well, when his followers heard this, this is what it says uh, in John 6. After he said this, many of his followers left him. You see, they didn't want to hear the counsel of God. They wanted to continue in their own counsel. What a huge mistake we made. Some of us, we look at the scripture, we say, well, I'm going I'm to take the stuff I like and I'll, I'll discard the stuff I don't like. You don't get to do that. If you're a follower of Christ, you're doing what Jesus says, even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense to you. And I'll say this to you, that once you have, have embraced the counsel of God, you begin to understand it over time. You know, I remember as a young man, as just in my early, early 20s, I remember reading Scripture and feeling, feeling confronted by it and feeling kind of angry. And I thought, where is this coming from? And I realized that... that God was confronting me. The Spirit of God was confronting me through his word and showing me those areas in my life that were not acceptable. So Jesus asked, uh, asked his disciples in verse 67 of Matthew, or John 6, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. I mean, everybody else was leaving. Do you want to leave me too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, listen to this. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now listen, the more you feed on the counsel of God and the more you reject the counsel of the wicked, the more you begin to understand who God is and you begin to understand that he in fact is the Holy One, the Creator. You begin to see with a clarity that the, even the brightest, most intelligent minds of, in this world, can, they'll never be able to see what you see. And I'll tell you why they can't see it. Because, as, as Paul tells us, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. When you draw close to God, when you, when you feed on his counsel, remember God's, Jesus, or God said, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you're feeding on the word of God, then you begin to understand. And rather than being offended by his word, rather than being offended by what he says, you discover a joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joyful people follow the counsel of God alone. We do not follow the counsel of the people of this world as popular as it is. I'll say this, from 2016 till, till, uh, till Joe Biden got into office, and even still, the, the YouTube has been just uh, red hot with activity. People are, are listening to all kinds of opinions, all kinds of ideas, and this conspiracy theory, and that conspiracy theory. And I'm saying, close it down. Don't listen to it anymore. 
We, this, listen, we are not citizens of this world. This world is not our home. It's, yes, it's important to know what's going on, and yes, it's important for us to vote. It's important for us to fulfill our civic duty. But folks, understand that we follow the counsel of God and God alone. What else does David say? He says, well, joyful is the man, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man uh, who does not stand in the way of sinners. I want you to see something. There is a regression here. Blessed is the man who walks, stands, and then the next verse sits. There's a regression. Not a progression, a regression. And it begins with listening to ungodly or wicked counsel. When you became a Christian, you remember that sense of great joy that you had. You, you, you were saved for eternity. You belonged to God. And somewhere along the line, you began to lose your joy and you wondered what happened. Well, this is what happened. Rather than progressing, you begin, began to regress. And you begin to regress when you begin to listen to the counsel of the wicked. But the next step is that now you're not walking anymore, you're standing. You're standing with sinners. You're identifying or joining in with the ways of sinners. Now, <laughs> I wish I could say that this, was, this would be an anomaly uh, amongst Christian people, but the fact is, is that this is a big problem right now in North America. You cannot tell an unbeliever from a believer. It used to be that you could tell a difference. But the unbeliever, the so-called, uh, so-called uh, Christian, is identifying with, with unbelievers. And what's happening now is that you're standing with them. You're standing in agreement with them. Your ways have beca- their ways have become your ways. And there's literally no difference between you and, and the sinner. You say, well, Pastor John, I thought we were all sinners. Well, David here, when he's talking about sinners, he's talking about people who are not redeemed. He's talking about people who have not been converted yet. Let me ask you a question right now. Do you stand in the way of sinners? Do you identify with sinners? Do you find yourself being more comfortable in the company of sinners than you do in the company of believers? Paul asked this question. What fellowship does darkness have with light? In 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. At our church, we always say you become like the people you hang out. That's why we, we got small groups going, so that people would belong to a group of people where you, you would do life with them. So you hang out with people who are believers, who have the same values, the same belief system because you do become like the people you hang out with. That's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, I have watched this happen to too many people over the years. I've watched people who, people who've been, who claim to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues, I've, I've watched them in great joy worshiping God but then they, they failed to watch their ways, and they began to walk in the counsel of the wicked rather than the counsel of God. And the next thing you know, they began to stand 
in the way or with sinners. They, they found a place of fellowship with sinners. And then the next thing you know, their hearts and their minds are being fed with everything but the counsel and the word of God. What fellowship does darkness have with light? We have no business in fellowship with the unbeliever. Now, yes, you can be friendly with them. You can, be, you can have a, you know, a polite acquaintance. But in terms of fellowshipping with and having a heart-to-heart with these people, it's impossible. What fellowship does darkness have with light? This is why I would never marry a man and a woman where one is a Christian and one is not a Christian. So if you're thinking of coming to me and asking me to do your ceremony, I will not do a ceremony. I will not wed a man and a woman where one is not a, a, a Christian. So that you're both Christians or you're both not Christians. But I cannot, I cannot marry you because I know it can't work. What fellowship does darkness have with light? It's not possible. It won't work. And we'll talk about more of that in just a moment. I have watched too many people's lives ruined because they have chosen to stand with sinners. They, they've chosen the way, the path of the sinner. And David says clearly that this will rob you of your joy. You'll have no joy. In fact, if anything, you will have chosen what Jesus describes as the wide road that leads to destruction. Very, very important that we understand that. Remember, we studied that in the Sermon on the Mount. We are choosing the narrow road. It was just you and God, where you want his will to be done. You want to follow his will and his purpose. The next point that David makes is that The one who does not sit in the seat of scoffers will be joyful. Do you see that progression? He's walking, now he's just standing around, now he is sitting. He's just, he's not even moving. What is a scoffer? A scoffer is someone who mocks or treats something with contempt. These are the people who are oftentimes blasphemous. They will mock Christ, they will mock the church, they'll mock the word of God, they'll mock believers. These people uh, are blasphemous, and they ridicule all things sacred. In fact, with a scoffer, there's nothing sacred. Nothing is holy. I don't know if you've ever been around people like that, but I'll tell you, it's, 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 an, it's an exhausting experience. In fact, it's, it's obnoxious. They are obnoxious. You know... Once you begin to stand in the way of sinners, what happens is that you lose your joy and you become cynical. It's a natural progression here, or regression. You become cynical, which leads then to taking the place of a scoffer, a mocker. Listen to Jude. He's describing the scoffer in Jude 10, 11. These people scoff at things they do not understand, like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instinct tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. These people, these scoffers, they have no joy. Like Cain, Abel was joyful. He walked with God. He gave God the offerings that God commanded. Cain, he's having none of it. He scoffed at his brother. 
He was angry at his brother, and next thing you know, he killed his brother. This is, what, this is really what a scoffer is. He's somebody who hates people and ridicules people, really standing in the way of death, sitting in the way of death. So you and I need to understand something today. What David is describing here is something that all humans will experience, this regression from, from beginning with walking in the counsel of the wicked to now standing in the way of sinners, now finally sitting in the seat of scoffers. David wants us to see how we lose our joy. And I'm going to tell you that that may be the thing that has caused you to lose your joy. You, you've, you've not chosen to walk with God. You've not chosen to stand with godly people. You've chosen to sit amongst the scoffers and the mockers. It's so easy to go from joy to gloom and doom. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have joy in your life right now, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call from God. God's waving the flag in your face, and he's, he's telling you, There's something wrong in your life. It's time for you to stop what you're doing and get yourself back on track again. What David is describing here is a life that has ground to a halt. It's ground to a stop. It doesn't work anymore. Like like an engine without oil. It grinds to a halt. It can't, can't function anymore. And you need to understand why that is. Well, David says, if you're living like this, then you've got no no blessing in your life. Your life is not praiseworthy. Your life is lacking in happiness. You've, you've, You've lost delight because you're not following God. Listen, when we fail to walk with God and we fail to listen to the word of God, we are listening to ungodly voices. You know, this actually happened to me during this whole COVID-19 thing. I found myself listening to the news and listening to all the news and listening to the news from different perspectives, from a conservative perspective, from a liberal perspective, and everything in between. I'm listening to what the doctors are saying, and I'm listening to what the experts are saying, and I'm listening. They're talking about politics. They're talking about health issues. They're talking about COVID-19. And I'm listening to this. I'm listening to this. And then finally, I just thought, I can't listen to this anymore. It's robbed me of my joy. I need to hear God. I need to hear the voice of the Lord. And I read, begin to read the Word of God. And the first thing that I, I recognize is there's nothing new under the sun. Do you think God's surprised at what's happening in the world today? At the unrest? In the streets, the unrest in, in the Middle East, do you think this is a surprise to God? And yet we're all up in arms and we're all uptight, we're all anxious, and some people are, are right away are saying, this, this is it, it's over, the world's come to an end. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the fact is, those of us who are listening to the counsel of God, we're joyful. Because whether it's ending or not ending, it doesn't matter because either we're with the Lord and to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord, so it doesn't matter. I'm with God either way. To live as Christ, to die is gain. It's time for you and I to take steps to be sure that our hearts, that our ears are listening to the counsel of God and not the counsel of this world. 
Notice that regression. Walks, he's walking, now he's standing, now he's sitting. He's just ground to a stop. Maybe that's where you are right now in your spiritual life. You're just ground to a stop. You've lost your joy. You're not happy about reading the Bible. The Bible's lost its excitement for you. Well, God is knocking on the door of your heart. And he's calling out to you. Listen, you and I need to make some big changes here. If you're standing in the way of sinners, it's time for you to change that. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 15. He says, don't team up or be unequally yoked with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Do you see what Paul is saying here? You have got to take stock. You've got to be, be very careful about how you're living your life and who you're hanging out with and who's influencing you. But joining in with the philosophies and the values and the ideas of this world is going to kill your faith and rob you of all your joy. Because now you have ground, your life is ground to a halt. You're no longer moving towards that heavenly goal, but now you're standing in the way of sinners, which is a way of darkness and despair. And then you begin to sit around with scoffers. You know that word sit in, in the Hebrew can also be translated as dwell. It becomes a, your dwelling place, the place where you're just, you're, you're negative, you're, you're bitter, you're angry, you're angry at the past, you're angry at the prime minister, you're angry at the president, you're angry at your, at your spouse, your family, your friends. Next thing you know, nobody's your friend anymore and you, you can't stand anybody. Well, folks, that's, that's really what David's talking about here. If you understand that life is about loving relationships, then you understand how living like this, sitting in the seat of scoffers, is going to drain you of every bit of your spiritual energy, and it will drain you of your joy. Here's what David says in Psalm 14, 1-3. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Did you say, hear that? Those who say there is no God, the new atheists, is what they're called. They're corrupt, their actions are evil, not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Did you hear that? He looks at the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. That's the pronouncement. That's, that is what... Paul so beautifully communicates to us in the book of Romans. You and I need a savior. You and I need to resist and run from the counsel of the wicked. We need to run from the way of the sinners. We need to run from this dwelling place of the scoffer, the mocker, the blasphemer. I wonder if you're willing to do that. If you want your joy back, that's what you're going to have to do. You say, Pastor Allen, where am I going to find friends if I, if I do that? Well, that's what the church is, my friend. That's what a small group is. And that's what we're here for. We're here to help facilitate a brand new life for you, a life where you are connected with others who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Because the fact is, we don't, we're not judging or condemning anybody. The, the, the Word of God does that. What we're doing is we're saying, God, it's me. I'm the one that needs your grace. I'm the one that needs your mercy. I'm the one that needs to be redeemed. And so rather than sitting with the scoffer, what we need to do is we need to tell the scoffer that there is a Savior who loves him, who loves her. And that they can be free of that lifestyle because it is a horrible lifestyle. It becomes a dwelling place, a dark, gloomy, evil place, very much like hell. We need to understand that this is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world. He sent him to redeem us, to save us from the way of sinners, from the counsel of the wicked, from the seed of scoffers. He's come to redeem us and make us his very own. If you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, you need to do that. And I want you to see, I want you to understand something. That day, that moment, you put your faith in Christ, that moment where you confess your sin and you ask God to forgive you of your sin. And that day that you'll say, God, with your help, I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. In the day that you do that, you will know an instantaneous joy that comes from heaven. We're going to take a moment right now just to wait in God's presence and take communion together. And um, why don't you just get yourself ready and then we'll, we'll partake of that together. take uh, this communion together, but before we do that, let me just remind you that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he met with his disciples. They had the last Passover meal together, and Jesus said that, that this would be the last meal they would have before the kingdom was established. Jesus willingly went to the cross and in going to the cross, he took upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. Adam and Eve in the garden were told that on the day that they disobeyed, the day that they took the fruit, the day that they broke that one commandment, that would be the day that they would die. Well, the beautiful thing about our Messiah is that he didn't just come as a, as a great teacher. God did not just send a great teacher to this world. He sent 
a redeemer, somebody who would rescue us from our sins, somebody who would rescue us from death. Now, the beautiful thing is, is now all that's left to die is our body. Those of us who have been converted, those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we will spend an eternity with God. And many of the people that I know that, that have died, many of them are even now in the presence of God in the place called paradise. But someday, as we just studied in our last series, someday we will be resurrected and given new bodies. Someday we will be with the Lord forever in these glorified bodies, even as Christ dwells in a glorified body. When we take communion together, what we're doing is we are reminding ourselves of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are reminding ourselves that we have died with Christ and we have been resurrected with Christ. In the Protestant tradition, there are two sacraments, the, the, the baptism of the believer, he, he's buried, and then he comes up out of the water, resurrected as, as a, a new creation. We're celebrating what Jesus Christ has done for us. And communion is the other sacrament where we, again, are reminded that Jesus Christ died for us and that we have new life through Christ. Well, just as Jesus said in John chapter 6 to his followers that if we, if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must partake of the body and the blood of Christ. So we're going to do that right now. And before we do that, could you take a moment just to examine your heart uh, let's take a moment right now to pray quietly, and, uh, and then we'll partake of these elements together. But ask the Lord to reveal to you any sin that needs to be confessed. Uh, the greatest sin of all, of course, is a separation. Uh, if you're holding a grudge, if you are unreconciled, I, I'm asking you right now to ask God to forgive you for holding a grudge and that you get your hearts right with God so that you can, with a clear conscience and a clean heart, partake of the communion elements. Well, Father, we want to say thank you now for sending us not just a great teacher, but for sending us a redeemer. The one who would wash away our sins. The one who would take away the sin of the world. We thank you, O oh God, today that you have called us to be part of your family. You've called us to belong to you. We thank you, Lord, that through Christ, our sins have been removed. We thank you that Jesus took upon himself our iniquity our sin. And we thank you that Jesus died in our place. Lord, it's the only way. We could not even die for our own sins. Only Jesus could do that because he was the perfect man. And he was the one who was able to conquer death and the grave. And so we rejoice now as we take these communion elements again. We're asking, oh God, fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory as we meditate on and reflect on the great gift of eternal life through Christ. But not just eternal life, but abundant life right here and right now through Jesus Christ.
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread after he'd given thanks and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's take it together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. In the same manner, after he took the bread, he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant to my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I return. Let's take it together, shall we? Father, we thank you today that these communion elements are taken not by perfect people, but by people who've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. People who have who've been given access to your throne because of Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we thank you for the constant reminder that, that the, the Christian experience, the Christian life, the Christian message revolves around the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified that we rejoice and celebrate. We pray now, Father, fill our hearts with a fresh joy and a fresh gladness and a fresh awareness that this is what it's all about. It's all about what Christ did for us on the cross. It's all about the new life that's ours through Christ. So we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you in Jesus' name for the great gifts that you have given to us, eternal life, and you've given us abundant life. You've given us your Holy Spirit who helps us to live for you, who helps us to live the life you've called us to live. Thank you for your word, your, the revelation from heaven that tells us clearly how to live and what we should do. Give us the grace now, we pray, to not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but to walk in the counsel of God. Help us now, we pray, to not stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the way of scoffers, mockers, blasphemers. Help us, we pray, O oh God, to separate ourselves from the world, to come out from the world, to be different, to be a people who are clearly marked by Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.